Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. excited about today's vodcast because this is our Hubble vodcast. In fact, I'm wearing, I was telling Franklin, I'm wearing my Hubble glasses today. Same style glasses that they used when Hubble was launched. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you better get a correction. No, I'm, I'm bringing it back. These are very good Hey, glasses. but this is an exciting vodcast because we have two cool interviews coming up later in the show. You guys had a chance to go up to Goddard to meet with Mike Weiss. Mike Weiss, who is the guru of engineering. It's genius. Yeah, genius. Absolutely. And then we went down to uh, Johnson Space Center to meet with the crew. Yeah, so brilliant guys. Looking forward to uh, seeing that interview, especially the interview that you had with Mike Weiss up there. But before we get to that, I got a game. Oh, games. I love right. fun and games. I've got the last mission to Hubble trivia game. Okay, but I, I got to just dispute. I don't think it should be considered the last mission. I'm holding out but, hope but, that we'll, we... We'll talk about that okay. later. Right? Right. I, I know okay. you, you don't like it being last mission, but it's the last mission to Hubble trivia game. Okay. Right? And it's going to be between you, Franklin, and we have a guest online. Her name is Brittany. Brittany. Salzer from Salzer. up north. From up north. You might remember who she is. Brittany, hello. Hi, how are y'all? How's everything Pretty going? Pretty good. Good. Hello, good. Brittany. And Blair, do you remember Brittany? I, no, I, I have to be honest, I don't. She is our web producer for Technology Review Magazine. Oh, from yeah. Te- Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, well, she should be disqualified for the quiz. Why is that? Because she's going to be really smart. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking to, to like get a curve, a grade on a mathematical curve. But you're an that. insider now, aren't you? I, well, are you, are you, no. you still trying to be an insider? No, I mean, I just you're bringing in outsiders that are smarter than me, so I'm, I'm bested on both okay. fronts, so i got to be really careful. Well, Brittany, are you ready to play? I'm ready. Okay. Each question is worth one point. All right, so the way we're going to do it is, uh, Brittany, you are on an honor system. Guys, if I, if you could, close your laptops because uh, you're not allowed to use computers here. You just have a, a, a piece of paper and a pencil. Guys, can I use Ron as my lifeline? <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Yep. This is true or false. The weight of the payload is the heaviest ever carried aboard the shuttle on a Hubble servicing mission. Question number two. This is uh, multiple choice. Oh, good. Hubble... Is about the size of A, a minivan, B, the Aries 1 upper stage, C, a school bus, or D, a 747 fuselage. Brittany, any, any thoughts on this before I write my answer? <laughs> no, no, oh. no, no, not just can't share. Can't, can't share, can't share. Question three, this is fill in the blank. Okay. The Hubble servicing mission launch will mark first time since July 2001 blank. Okay, technical question on this. No technical question, you just gotta fill in the blank. Okay, but I mean, can we get points for creativity if we're wrong? No, no points for creativity, no. <laughs> this, is just a, this is just a fill in the blank, not this, an essay. Not an essay, oh. just. <laughs> All right. How you doing on this question, Brittany? I think pretty good. I think I got this one. There's a few I'm a little shaky on, but. Um... The Hubble Space Telescope was launched in April 1990. What won Best Picture at the Academy Awards one month before? Was it A. Dances with Wolves. Okay. B. Driving Miss Daisy. C. Rain Man. Or D. The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got this. One. Okay, I've, I've locked uh, this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the only one you got right. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Now I know why I didn't remember Brittany. That's our, right. our original conversation probably was very similar to this. <laughs> okay, here's the bonus question. Why is this the fifth servicing mission of Hubble if it's called SM4? Okay, Brittany, we're going to go with uh, you first. I chose true. 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 Correct. It's a correct answer. Yes. Very good. Okay. Yes. All right. Not bad. Everyone gets a point. One down. Okay, number two. Hubble is about the size of, of what, Brittany? Um, I went with the school bus on this one. School bus? Okay. What'd you say? That was C. I went C, with the school you say? bus. School bus. Okay. Yes. School bus is correct. Yes. Very good. The next question. The Hubble servicing mission launch will mark the first time since July 2001. This is a tough one. Yep. Uh, Brittany, what do you think? Um, On this one, I wrote that, that um, this is the first time that two shuttles were on pads 39A and 39B. Whoa, that's actually, that was a pretty good guess. What'd you say? Ooh, that's exactly what I said. You I said, said that too? I said two shuttles have been on pad. I didn't I didn't go so far as to provide but, but numeric you, detail. What'd you say? Two shuttles were on both pads. That, that's, that's the correct answer. Yes. Great job. Okay. Wow. Do, do I get a bonus point for actually naming the pad? Yeah. Well, I think so, yeah. yeah. Brittany, in your case, yes, we'll give you a bonus point. I'm feeling good about the next question. Oh, great. I think I got okay. that one. The Hubble Space Telescope was launched in April 1990. What won Best Picture at the Academy Awards one month before? And what do you think, uh, Brittany? I guessed on this one. I had to go with B. Driving Miss Daisy? Driving Miss Daisy. Ooh, interesting. What do you, what do you say, Franklin? M- Morgan Freeman? Driving Miss, Driving Whoa. Miss Daisy. Because they're both wrong. It's Dances with Wolves. Answer is B, driving Miss Daisy. Oh, that is not true. Whoa, Actually, now, 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 here's, now here's, here's what I did. Dances at Wolves came out the year after. All right? Rain Man came the year before. Yes. And then Silence of the Lambs came two years after. I knew Silence of the yeah. Lambs wasn't it. Okay. All right, it's, it's okay. You're only one down. Okay, well, you got a bonus here. So. Okay. All right. Okay, here's here's the bonus. Um, I think it's because the... the Servicing Mission 3 was actually divided in half, so they, they made an A and B out of it because of the uh, operations they had to do. So you're saying there's an A, there's a there's a SM3A and a B? Yes. Okay. Because I boned up on my uh, Hubble uh, history <laughs> before we started, um, it is because they uh, split the mission SM3 into two parts, A and B. Um, what's, your, what's your answer? I, I thought it was canceled after the uh, space shuttle tragedy in 03. No, they're correct. It's uh, SM3 was divided into two, so that was te- technically that's four missions, and this is the fifth mission, even though it's it's called SM4. Well, that's that's very interesting. Okay, well, them. well, let's ta- let's tap the point. Well, you actually did. Hey, Blair, like I always say, www.nasa.gov. <laughs> We'll get you. <laughs> well, well, Brittany, you've got you actually got them all right, and you had the and you had the uh, half point. Would yeah. would you have? I have them all. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a great game. I mean, that was, was not a great game. That was a lousy game. Th- I was actually was actually disappointed that you didn't get the driving with Daisy. I, I, really I, I, I thought that I really thought that was, was for I, you. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm 40. What can I say? <laughs> or soon to be, and well, I'm, I'm losing my memory. What? I, I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, you know, I, I, I was just thinking of uh, because uh, Morgan Freeman was just in a couple of movies this pa- these, these past couple months. Right. Uh, Batman and Wanted. So. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, Brittany, I'm a little concerned. I, I just want to make sure. Now, you, you had no outside help there, right? I had none. Nope. Right. Pure, you did pure. that all straight up. But see, the problem with her is she works for Technology and Review. Well, she's and, a genius. And, and, That's and the she problem. Did a, she did a story on the Hubble and, and James Webb before. She, I didn't realize that. Yeah, actually, I remember you uh, the story. I read the story that you uh, that you did on the, the Hubble, right. so I should have known. And by the way, you do a great job, uh, Brittany. 
Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, Back in January, I think, uh, you wrote the story. I did. I can't remember the exact issue, but it was within the last year. Yeah. And we want to do a future story, right? We're, we're going to look for some technology for you to do a story on or something yes, like that definitely. in the future, right? I'm very anxious to do something, so... Go take a break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll uh, talk about your interview with Mike Weiss and more about Hubble. Yeah, and I'll find out whether, in fact, that, that was uh, Driving Miss Daisy when it came out. So I have to double-check my answer. Okay, cool. Answers. Hey, you're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Welcome back to NASA Edge Quiz Show Edition. <laughs> It's also an inside and outside look at all things NASA. That's good. I, I did do some research, and I now know why I got the question wrong about the movies. Dances with Wolves won Best Picture for 1990. Right. But that ceremony would have been in, in the spring of 91. The reason you got it wrong, because it's just like the SAT. You have to read the question. You have to understand it. You have to, you know. I, I tell you what. Let me give you another question to redeem yourself. Okay. Because uh, I, I, like, I have like double or nothing? I have number, okay. number of questions. Right. This is a fill in the blank. Okay. All right. Fill in the blank. I got it. Already feel good about it. During a typical orbit, mm -hmm. Hubble approximately uses the same energy as blank 100-watt light bulbs. How many 100-watt light, light bulbs does Hubble approximately use? One million. One million? Mm -hmm. What do you think? That's a lot of wattage, Doc. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It takes a lot of wattage. Actually, it doesn't. It does not. Yeah, no, you're right. Mm. Would you like to read three? Yeah. Approximately, okay. With ten. Ten? <laughs> okay. About 30? The exact answer is 28. There is no way you knew that. You, just, Did you, t you talked to Mike Weiss when we were up there, didn't you? You got some inside information <laughs> no, from no, the genius. No, no, you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta, number one, consider the time that the Hubble was launched, and they weren't using it. It just doesn't take that much power to operate, and we're just talking one orbit. Speaking of that, Mike Weiss, let's let's go check. Well, that's out what your I'm saying. Yeah, no, we, Franklin and I, yeah. for those that don't know, we went up to NASA Goddard. When I left Goddard, I actually felt smarter when I walked off the base. Did you? There. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of engineering behind Hubble. Oh, no and, doubt. And that's sort of the engineering center, right? Oh for, yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's go watch the segment. And Absolutely. Learn more. Okay. All right. We're here at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center with Mike Weiss, who's given Franklin and I the unique opportunity to uh, see exactly what they go through when they're planning an EVA mission. We're going to be working with a Hubble trainer, uh, which is essentially part of the Hubble, a mock-up or trainer, and uh, we're going to see if we can become rocket scientists and figure out how to help the astronauts prepare. I can touch the yellow handle. All right. Yellow is touchable. Yellow is touchable, and that's much easier in zero G, obviously. So, Franklin, what do we what do we got to think of on behalf of the astronauts well, in an EVA? First thing that comes to mind is that um, when we connect the power. Um, uh, keeping the Hubble telescope operating so it doesn't get too cold or hot because we're dealing with extreme temperatures in space. Oh, that's a good point. How in the world are you going to be able with uh, your astronaut suit to get in there and work these connections? Well, we start in the laboratory environment just like you see here and we go through the procedures ourselves. Okay. You know, usually starting with your bare hands and we see where they want to put their bodies, where they want to put their hands, where they want to put their feet you know, how the hardware is going to behave in zero-G. And in this particular case, since the door is open on hinges and the shuttle is moving around a little bit for attitude control, this door is going to bounce a little bit. So in flight, we actually installed a door stay to help that door really? stay in position awesome. so that it stayed open to the right configuration. One of the things that I'm thinking is that when you're in space and you have your gloves, these aren't the type of uh, connectors that you can just actually grab and 
That's a good point. Twist, and especially the ones connected to the uh, power unit, uh, you usually need to get fingertips in there. You know, Mike, that require, uh, reminds me, I'm gonna need some high fidelity um, trainer gloves. Oh, oh, in space, I would have just headed off to another planet to retrieve this. Actually, they would still be right here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. On the horizon. Okay, got it. Okay, Franklin, here's a pair for you. They might be a little tight. This is what I was talking about. Oh, outstanding. Yes, yes. Tacticity. Yes. Okay, so actually, if I get in here, I can actually, even with the glove on, I can at least get some, some tension on it. Remember, in space, that gloved hand is going to be pressurized. Oh. So you okay. won't exactly have the kind of mobility you have here without a pressurized glove. Okay, so do we have a tool that, that we would use on something like this? Well, it's actually one of the first things we saw that when we started designing this task was that we needed it. Uh, Mom? Well, Larry's smart and he has a vivid imagination and he's a creative thinker. Why don't we do one for you okay. so you can oh, okay. see? That would be a good idea for it, insurance purposes. How it might work. Because that's not live, is it? No. Okay. It's completely unpowered. So see, here's our quarter turn, and the connector comes off, and we have our first connector off. And you might notice a couple other attributes, that there are decals on the connectors yes. and corresponding decals on the box. And these connectors actually have a key in them, so the idea is to line up the key with the slot indicated on the decal. So once you've removed all the connectors, you need to know where they go back on. Hey, Mike, why, generally, how much time do the astronauts have to make the switch? We start off designing the task with six hours per EVA day. Typical Hubble flights have five EVA days, total of 30 hours of EVA. But, but once they go out the door to do a task, they have six hours to get that task done and get back in. So you start here and it, with, with you and a bunch of engineers uh, to work out some initial plans. Um, how do you test if those will work? Well, we go as far as we can in the lab, and there's only so far we can go when we're in our street clothes and we're trying things with gloves on. So the next step is to go underwater. Okay. And there's a big tank in Houston. It's called the Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory. NBL. NBL. If they're underwater, our, our engineers are on scuba. If they're in the clean room, they're in bunny suits following the hardware. The next step is underwater. We'll learn as much as we can. We'll come back to the lab, iterate the design, it's really just the scientific method applied. For all of the EVAs that you have planned for SM4, um, you have high fidelity trainers that you've used to um, help uh, determine their agenda or the, or the procedures that they're all going to go through. Exactly. Is there any chance that we could get into the clean room maybe? What we'll do is go down to the vestibule, gown up, and head into the clean room. Well, I did shower today. I don't know if that You're going to get another shower. Well, oh. actually, that's, that's important. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. Well, here we are. Welcome to the world's largest clean room. You're seeing one of the purposes of this stuff being in the clean room, which is to get it in the final flight configuration. So the hardware comes in here, it gets buttoned up for flight. Uh, it gets electrically tested, it gets tested together as if it's flying both in the shuttle and the Hubble components get tested as if they're flying on Hubble. And the astronauts also come here for dress rehearsals for the mission. Okay, on this flight we're taking up about 23,000 pounds to orbit. That big thing on top is what's going to hold the Widefield Camera 3, Hubble's brand new imaging camera. 
You're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. See, what's amazing about that is they do that for every kind of mission, whether it's changing the wide field cameras or something else, always sitting and figure out exactly how or what it's going to take from an engineering standpoint to fix these things, not just there, but then in the clean room and then down at Johnson and then in the pool, out of the right. pool, everything. What I want to know is, did you get the chance to sneak in the pizza in the clean room? No. <laughs> oh no, that, that, that was a, a body cavity search like none other. That was, that was brilliant. I've never been that clean. Tell you what, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'll have a chance to talk to the astronauts. Absolutely. Hey, you're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Very good. Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Hey, before we get... You're mocking me. That's okay. <laughs> I, one take was high-pitched. That's all right. I can, I can take it. Before Go ahead. we talk to the uh, Hubble crew, uh, we haven't really gone over what the, you know, the primary and secondary objectives are. For, Touched for the on mission. it a little. They're going to be installing two new advanced uh, instruments. Uh, one's called the Cosmic Origin Spectrograph. Or Spinalgraph. <laughs> Spirograph. Okay. I forget which one it was. And then the uh, second one, they're going to install the Wide Field Camera. They're going to be upgrading the gyros. Yep. Uh, also refurbishing the fine guidance sensors, uh, replacing some batteries. Some battery work, which we talked with uh, Mike about. And Absolutely. also uh, the new outer layer blanket uh, layers. They're going to be replacing thermal insulation on several bays of the telescope. Which is why, again, I hate to say it's the last mission. I mean, because if they yeah, need you're more, still stuck on that, aren't you? Well, more blankets. We'll, we'll get to that in the show. Okay. <laughs> if you want to learn more about Hubble, you just have to go to you know www.nasa.gov/hubble, and you can learn all about the uh, the mission, the servicing mission, and what Hubble's done over the past uh, 18 years. Yeah. Can I take one more shot at the quiz? Oh, you want? Oh, you want I'd like okay. another shot. All right, cool. And these are all Hubble-related questions. Yes. And after rewatching the Mike Weiss thing, I'm feeling feeling good again. For you, the home viewer. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Pointing Hubble and locking on to distant celestial objects is equivalent to holding a laser light steady on a dime that is A, 10 miles away, mm -hmm. B, 200 miles away, C, 3,000 miles away, or D, 40,000 miles away. I really want to go with D. It seems a, like a little impossible, okay. so I'm going with C. C? Uh, what do you think? I'm going to go with B. Answer's B, 200 miles away. Well, all right. Well, okay. people are learning about the Hubble. That's good. I mean, I'm getting the answers hey, these wrong. Are, these are some are, cool fun facts yeah. about Hubble that we're, we're okay. you know, we're giving at Blair's expense. Yeah. Spe <laughs> speaking of fun, though, uh, the, you know, I know these guys have serious jobs and everything, right. but we did have an opportunity to meet and interview some of the astronauts down at Johnson, and they're fun guys. Some of the astronauts. We met the whole crew. Uh, well, All seven. Uh, yeah. If you remember, I didn't get to participate in all the interviews. I only got to participate in one with, with our two buddies. And I feel bad. Unfortunately, Franklin couldn't make that trip. That's uh, right. He was out on vacation somewhere. So. I needed you, Franklin, because uh, Massimino was tough. Yeah. He kept hitting me with the bullet questions, you know, and yeah. I couldn't answer. And, and uh, I mean, I was throwing out my name, rank, and serial number. I'm not even in the military, you know. I was, uh, it was or serial number. That's not right. Name, so, rank, and... Serial number, yeah. Serial number? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hey, let's, right. let's check out the interview. All right. Cool. <laughs> Hey, it's good to be with you guys again uh, as you get ready for your big mission with Hubble. We were at Goddard talking to Mike Weiss, and he was telling us about the stages of training. We are using the what we call the POGO. Okay. And I have no idea what that acronym stands for. I know what it does, though. Okay. It sort of levitates hardware for us to simulate a zero-G environment. Uh, while one of us is standing back at, at the back end of the instrument installing it into this opening, 
The other one's up close here and is talking about the relationship between the rub strip on the side of the telescope or the instrument that's going in and this what we call the guide rail and there's two of those. And so the key for us as uh, installers is to listen to the cues that the, the guy close to the telescope is giving as we lead it in there because we really can't see those. When you're back behind the yeah. instrument, you can't see anything except a faceful instrument. One of the things that might not be obvious is that when Drew says that he's on the other end of this instrument and he's holding on to it and he's uh, kind of pushing it into the telescope, he's, uh, he's actually connected to the robotic arm. So there's another player on the team here is our uh, arm driver, uh, robotic arm operator Megan MacArthur. And so he, uh, Drew is uh, connected, he's standing uh, in a foot plate that's then connected to the arm so that he has, both his hands are free to work, but she's basically moving him in because he'd be, you know, he's out there right. floating in space in front of the telescope. Yeah. Um, and so, so the way it works is I listen to John, Megan listens to me, and we just sort of relay commands, and I, you know, based on what he's saying, I give certain commands or requests to Megan asking for different positions and orientation. Gotcha. Before we go and do this in the pool, which is kind of a big event with the suits and a lot of support, we can come over here and just kind of practice. And get this uh, has a little bit better fidelity for the, the feel of the instruments going in. Uh, well, that's a good point, though. You don't use suits here, obviously. That wouldn't be too helpful. Do you at least use gloves for sometimes, tactile reasons? Sometimes, but it's really here is really about that teamwork. In fact, one of the, one of the things we usually do with each session is uh, we do one install with our eyes closed. Since you are paired up with veteran and rookie, I mean, how are you going to handle this in terms of, um, you know, they've been there, they know what it's like, they can go out and they sort of acclimate maybe more quickly. What's the first thing you're going to do when you exit the, the shuttle, the airlock, when you head out for your first EVA? After it, we panic. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, I'm they can't hear you scream in space. That's important to know. So, um, no, the first thing that we both are going to do when we go out on that first uh, spacewalk is that uh, we'll go out second. So the other guy will go out first and kind of get us uh, hooked up, our safety tether, he'll get us uh, hooked up out there. And then when we come out of the airlock, um, we'll, we'll take a moment to just kind of uh, do what we call translation adaptation, which means just kind of get a feel for how you can move around out there. And uh, we were talking earlier about uh, just moving slowly and just get a feel for how to control your body. And uh, you know, just take a take a few minutes to try to just check it out. She referred to this as uh, the baby grand. Right. Do you find that with all this training, you, you're at home and you just start moving furniture by rote, uh, just because you're doing it so much in preparation? Or no, when I'm at home, I, I try to do as little work as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to just sit on the couch and watch TV and that oh, kind of yeah. stuff. I like to watch NASA Edge oh. on NASA TV. A big mission coming up here later this year. Now, you were the commander for the last servicing yeah. mission back in 02. How is that mission compared to this one coming up? Uh, in a lot of ways, it's the same. We're going to the same place. The rendezvous uh, profiles are very similar. Five EVAs, that's the same. But when you look at the content, it's changed a little bit. We're starting to do some repairs of boxes inside the telescope. On the last mission, we pulled things out and put new boxes in. Right. We're doing some of that, but we're also opening boxes up and pulling computer cards out. I mean, you guys are going to be busy with five EVAs uh, and repairing that, that, that Hubble and replacing equipment. That's going to be a Yeah, the one problem with going back and doing it again is that I remember the last flight, how hard it was, how right. hard we yeah. worked. Whereas before, I just, oh, this will be fine, it'll all work out. I was like, whoa, this is a lot of work. What are the other responsibilities that you have during this mission? 
Um, at least as the pilot, um, I backed Scooter up uh, both for the ascent and uh, the rendezvous and of course the descent landing. So uh, I kind of find myself as uh, the Scooter replacement unit. So, uh, <laughs> and this is the first time that you're piloting the shuttle, correct? Correct. This How is do you the first feel time about it? Uh, pretty excited. Really? Yeah, yeah a, a lot of training. Uh, no, maybe not so nervous okay. as uh, um, excited to, to be going up to Hubble, and it's really neat to go up that high. So, yeah, how does the rest of your family feel about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, at least my kids are pretty excited. Uh, uh, I've been flying since I was 17 years old, so this is just another flying job to them. My neighbor said, uh, you're the mission commander. Uh, what do you really do up there anyway? Uh, and that's uh, what I hope uh, to make happen. If we do train well and everybody knows their jobs, I can just kind of sit back and let it all unfold and take oh, really? credit for everything. I mean, you've flown with two other astronauts, Mike Massimino and John Gunshell, so you actually have, you're bringing experience with some of the new guys coming in to make a complete team. That was the idea. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on this mission. We want to make it as good as possible. So we thought we'd pull uh, experience from people who've gone there before along with adding some new folks to share that experience with and move on for the future. Now uh, with this particular mission you're going to be flying at 28 and a half degrees inclination which is different than going to station. So for this mission you need the safety, you need a backup just in case for this mission, right? Yeah, we well like you said, we can't make it to station because we're right. launching in that low inclination. Right. So station as a place to safe haven to go to is not available for right. us. So we've planned to create our own safe haven by carrying some extra uh, supplies okay. so we could extend and stay up there for an extra 20 days or so until another shuttle could come and rescue us. And this is an 11-day mission? Yes, it's 11 days, plus we have a couple of days of uh, consumables to, to get good weather to land. There was a certain pilot that buzzed the tower in Top Gun back in 86. Um, is that correct? There, there was a pilot who did that, yes. Yeah. And uh, the nice thing is if it was just a pilot who buzzed the tower, uh, the wings would have gotten peeled off by the Navy. <laughs> but because we were making a movie, right. they told me I had to buzz the tower. And I said, okay, good to go. Now, what are the chances of you guys buzzing the tower when you come back on the shuttle? Uh, they're That's slim. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming in at 18-degree uh, uh, glide path, and uh, we've got one chance to land. Right. We're going to make sure we use it. I told Ray J, I'm only going to take the first landing. If we go around, he can have the second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Scott and uh, Greg. Uh, good luck to, uh, on the mission. We'll look, uh, we're going to be watching you, and uh, we'll be down at the launch to check oh, you guys great. out. Appreciate great. that. We'll see you Thank then. you very much. Yes. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Thank Jackie. you very much. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thanks. back to NASA Edge. And inside and outside, look at all things NASA. Hey, I, I got an issue. I'm looking at the uh, vodcast outline. You know, Jackie was part of the interview in this last segment, but we didn't even talk about her going in. Blair's used to throwing her under the no, bus. No, that's not true. I know you got to email her, but what's let's talk to her right now. Hey, Jackie? Yeah? So what, what, what do you think about that? I'm really disappointed. I really thought this was a team effort. I can't believe you forgot me. I did hear you were a little jealous of my joining the team. Wow. Oh, man. You know these guys. You know that they would say anything to abuse me? No, it was I, it was the Massimino thing. Uh, he was, like I said, you were there. You remember how he scared the daylights out of me in a good way because he's a nice guy. Dave, what's going on? So that's did you forget about me? I... I 
I forgot about everything. But since we interviewed Megan MacArthur and Mike Massimino, why don't you go ahead and introduce the segment? Okay, great. Well, I had a great time with this interview, and I think uh, Chris and I would love to share it with everyone else. So check it out. Hey, we're in the virtual reality lab with Megan MacArthur and Mike Massimino uh, as they are training for the uh, STS-125 mission. The Hubble servicing mission. Right now, we are um, going to practice one of our spacewalk tasks, okay. and so we've got one guy uh, on the arm. We got another guy standing by to assist that, and I'm driving the arm to put um, the first guy into position. So the view that you see here on the on the screen, this is what you would see uh, inside the shuttle. This would be like me looking out the back okay, window back of the shuttle. Okay. Yeah. Mike, can you tell us how this is going to help your mission? This type of training. Yeah, the, the cool thing about it is being virtual reality. It. Uh, allows you to go into the environment. So I can look around here, and right now I'm looking around the payload bay of the orbiter, and I can see where our equipment's gonna be, and it's really very, very well uh, thought out and planned, so it's high definition. They have it look just like it would be on orbit. And I can look now, I'm looking at the telescope itself, and I can see uh, the handrails, and I can put my hands on where the handrails would be, and I can move around and go around the telescope. Uh, it, it shows me all the definitions of, of what it's going to look like because we do have a, a big model in the pool uh, that we use that allows us to uh, practice underwater practice the spacewalk. So what's the first thing uh, you'd like to do uh, once, you, once you're in low Earth orbit? I think that uh, you know it's going to be a while before you even have time to stop and think about right. where you are and what you're really doing. We're going to be really busy right from the get-go. We're going to hit the ground running and uh, just try to get the orbiter ready to go for all the tasks that we have to do. Um, if we get a chance, chance to breathe, I'll be wanting to look out the window and, and look at the Earth go by. And you've been on the Hubble mission before. I have, yes. So how does this help? Now that you have that experience, is it a huge difference? Um, it's, it is a big difference when you're actually there. That day's a big day. You know, you've been training for a while and you know, you're, for your entire life, you know, you haven't had a chance to spacewalk. So that first spacewalk day is a big day. But this thing can't really simulate that well is what you're going to see when you're looking around you. Not when you're doing your job, but when you're looking around the environment of space, looking at the Earth, looking at the stars, it is, it is beyond words. And there's nothing, there's no simulator that can get you ready to see that stuff. It, it can be a pretty constant um, stream of communication while we're moving the arm, while we're trying to fine-tune the position. And uh, I have to rely on the guy that's on the boom or the, the free float guy to help me stay away from some of the objects. Like I have a lot of great camera views, right. but I don't have necessarily a camera view that's going to show me how far away I am from the right. telescope all the time. So I'm really relying on them to give me that distance because the last thing I want to do is bump into one of them or bump into right. the telescope. That would be really bad. That would be, be, really be a bad, bad day for so, Mike too. Right? It would be a bad day for all of us. Right. So. We always go out in pairs. It's a team game. You don't go out by yourself. So you always have a partner that you're working with. Uh, you also have the rest of the team inside. You have Megan working the arm, of course, but we also have the other two spacewalkers are, are going through the checklist. Spacewalking is an open book exam. It's not a, it's not closed book. You, if you have a question, they'll give you the answer. So they're following through the uh, through the checklist and making sure we do what we're supposed to do and helping us out. And uh, Scooter's being the commander, making sure everything goes smoothly. And, and uh, Greg Johnson, Ray J, is working our video. And we're just a small part of the whole team because Big team effort, not just with the astronauts, but with everyone on the ground working with us. The visual product that they create here, um, they have lots of different versions of it, and we, I mean, I have a version that I can run on my laptop, which is invaluable to me when I'm thinking about planning a new move, because right. I can look at, you know, where the crew member's head is gonna be, and, you know, how they can reach whatever it is that they need to get to. So, so take a snapshot picture and send it back to the EVA guy and say, is this what you were thinking? Is this where you wanted cool. to be? And yeah, it works works really well. It's a very, very valuable tool. Then when we get in the pool, where, you know, time is money, we right. already have an idea of where we want to go. So as you can see, uh, 
Jackie a valuable part of the team. I'll never make that mistake. What do you? What do you? Oh, it's just twittering uh, our Texas Mac fan the fact that you lost Pebble Trivia Quiz. By the way, one final one, question. One, I know you've got one, more. more. Okay. Give me a chance to redeem myself. The farthest objects Hubble has seen are galaxies well over blank light years away. Twenty-five billion. Oh, it's multiple choice. Multiple choice. Oh, okay. I'll wait for the answers. Five million light years away. Twelve parsecs, not light years. Two trillion light years away, or twelve billion light years away. I'm going with B. I'm going with parsecs because that sounds really cool. Okay. Can I change my answer? He. <laughs> I saw. Uh, it wasn't just a, a, a nod. It was a look of great concern on Franklin's face. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with D. D. It is D. Twelve billion. Yes! Very good. Yes. Finally. Yes. Oh, man, I feel. Yeah. See. Listen. I know we got to wrap up the show. I have one thing that I got to point out to you guys. Okay. If yeah. you guys are ready. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I've been abused this this episode. I've been abused in a lot of episodes. You guys tried to humiliate me on the last show, on the Daytona show. Uh, if you need to roll tape, uh, Ron, you can do it with regard to the space shuttle. The space shuttle. That's incorrect. That's the orbiter. Okay. The we space shuttle is the entire system. The entire, the, look, system is the key word. You know what that is? No, no, you know what that is? Old school. Well, I've done some research, okay? Okay. And I've found out that NASA themselves, you, that they use this these terms interchangeably. And it's not wrong to call that the space shuttle, even though it's the orbiter. I'll grant you that. And in fact, if you go to NASA's page on landing... Okay. Landing is key because it obviously is not the whole system when it lands, right? I quote, follow along with the landing. Whether the space space shuttle, not orbiter, whether the space shuttle lands at the prime landing site at Kennedy or its backup landing site at Edwards Air Force Base. So in their same terminology, they would be fine calling that the space shuttle. So when you busted on me and said it's a system, you know, you're wrong. It's the, it is a system, but this can also be called the shuttle. And I got like 20 references from NASA documents talking about the shuttle as, you know, the orbiter referring to it as the shuttle. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay. After this, after the podcast. Okay. Go to the blog uh-huh. and make a post and list your sources. Okay. And then for the fans out there, what I want you to do is I want you to respond to that and see if you agree if that's actually called the orbiter or the space shuttle. No, no but that's not what I'm disputing. Hey, Claire. Yes. Two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Hey, you're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Go Even the shuttle. Slash go, go ahead and put those on and, and, and we'll see what happens. Okay. 